As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. That comes from Luke's Gospel, the ninth chapter. Now I know, at this time of the year, it's Christmas time, and we read about the birth of a baby Jesus born in Bethlehem. And we just heard more of that story from Matthew's Gospel this morning. But even as we heard that story, we noticed that the story starts to move out of Bethlehem. And actually, many parts of the Christmas story run through Jerusalem. And I have a spoiler alert for you. The end of the Christmas story is in Jerusalem. So grace, peace, and mercy to you, my brothers and sisters, from the one who was indeed born in Bethlehem. Amen. But Jerusalem is going to be our focus this morning. Jerusalem, the city of peace. That's what the name means, Jerusalem, the city of peace. And we're going to take a look actually at several stories this morning, and all of them end in Jerusalem. And more to the point, it's my prayer that by the time we're through here this morning, you'll realize that God wants your story to end in Jerusalem too. But let's start with that Christmas story that we heard Pastor Tim read from Matthew's Gospel just a little bit ago. We need a little bit of background on that story. You see, after Jesus was born, some wise men, maybe they were scholars of the day, maybe they were astronomers or, or students of history or, or students of religion, whatever they were, wise men came to visit Jesus. They had followed a star from their home in the east, which they understood the star was leading them to the place where the king of the Jews was to be born. Now, they weren't Jewish themselves, so I'm not really sure how they knew to follow the star, but they were scholars, and they did have at least some access to some of those ancient Jewish scriptures. In any event, their journey took them to Israel, and their first stop in Israel was the city of Jerusalem because it was there that the king, King Herod, was living, the Roman political leader of the day, and the wise men arrived, and they told Herod that they were looking for this Jewish king. And they asked Herod if he might know where the king was to be born. Herod didn't know, as it turned out, but he asked the Jewish leaders that were there in Jerusalem, and they were more than happy to tell Herod, look, that's an easy answer, Herod. The prophet Micah tells us that the Christ child is to be born in Bethlehem. Now, what we need to know at this point is that Herod was on this ultimate power trip. He was a paranoid kind of king, and he was jealous of anyone, and I mean anyone, who he thought might be threatening his throne and threatening his power. And he would eliminate these threats, whether they were real threats or perceived threats. So when he heard that the promised king of the Jews was born right down the road in Bethlehem, he was agitated at that time. But for the moment, he kind of kept his, his fears to himself. He sent the wise men to Bethlehem, and he asked them to come back and tell him what they found. And he said, maybe I will go and worship this king too. Of course, Herod had no intention of worshiping Jesus. He had in mind to eliminate him, but God intervened. The wise men did find Jesus in Bethlehem, and they did worship him, but they were warned by some angels not to go back to Herod, so they returned home instead, and that's where our reading picked up this morning. The story does not end there in Bethlehem. 
But Herod was still rather agitated. And so angels appeared to Joseph and they said, Look, Joseph, Herod is coming and he's very angry. Since his plan with the wise men didn't quite work out, well, he intends to kill all of the young boys in Bethlehem. So get out of town, Joseph, and take Mary and Jesus to Egypt. So that's what they did. And they stayed there for five years, give or take. And when Herod died, they all returned to Israel, but not yet to Jerusalem because Herod's son was on the throne and he might pose that same kind of threat. So Joseph took Jesus to Nazareth, which is north of Jerusalem, a safe distance north of Jerusalem. And at this point, Matthew, the writer of our gospel this morning, he recalled for us a prophecy that came from the book of Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Those words come from Hosea chapter 11, and Matthew correctly tells us that they apply to Jesus, who came out of Egypt and was taken back to Israel. But those words also apply to a couple other stories, stories whose end in Jerusalem. So before we finish with Jesus' story, we're going to get back to the story of Jesus, but we need to get a little background on Hosea's story. You see, the prophet Hosea lived about 800 years before Jesus was born. And at that point in history, God's children, known as the children of Israel, had been settled in Jerusalem for quite some time. The temple there in Jerusalem had been completed for a few hundred years or so. Good kings like David and Solomon and other people who helped build that temple and build Jerusalem into all of its glory, those times were a distant memory by Hosea's day. Several generations of bad kings had kind of led the people of Israel into unfaithfulness, into idolatry, and into all kinds of other bad behaviors. And so, as was typical for God's prophets in Hosea's day, Hosea spoke against the many sins of the Israelite people, and he spoke against the leaders of the Israelites in particular. And this, of course, made Hosea rather unpopular. But Hosea, like all genuine prophets of the Old Testament, Hosea was never speaking his own words, his own observations, his own thoughts. He was only speaking the word of God. So listen to God's words that are spoken by Hosea in Hosea chapter 10. Hosea says, But you, children of Israel, you have planted wickedness, you have reaped evil, you have eaten the fruit of deception. The roar of battle will rise against your people so that all of your fortresses will be devastated. A day is coming, in fact, when the king of Israel will be completely destroyed. That's how Hosea chapter 10 ends. It's not exactly what God's children wanted to hear, and it's certainly not what the leaders of God's children wanted to hear. But you have to remember, passages like this are not simple promises of doom and gloom. They are calls to God's children, calls to forsake their idols and return to God. You see, God was always doing that. He was always calling his people back to himself. And so Hosea often spoke of God's love for his people too. As soon as he finished speaking these words that we just read, God's tone changed quite abruptly. He then recalls another time in history, centuries before Hosea, when God's children, the same nation of Israel, 
had been enslaved and oppressed in Egypt. And God recalled how at that time he led his people in love, how he had called them out of Egypt. And then these are the words that Matthew quoted in our reading this morning. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Years ago, God remembered, I led the people of Israel with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was one who lifts up a child to the cheek. I even bent down and fed them, God says. You probably know something of this story. It took place several hundred years before Hosea and at least 1,500 years before Jesus was born. But we can probably use a little more background on this story too, so we'll back up yet a little bit more. The beginning of this story that you're familiar with goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And there we find a man named Abraham, and he was living just a little bit north of Jerusalem, except at that time, Jerusalem was simply called Salem, or peace. God had told Abraham to move with his family to that region of the world, and although Abraham didn't always trust God the way he should, God continued to bless Abraham. In time, though, there was a famine in that region, so Abraham and his family moved to Egypt. And again, Abraham didn't always place his trust in God. He wasn't always the best-behaved husband and father. But God continued to bless and protect Abraham. While they were there in Egypt, Abraham became even more wealthy. Eventually, the king of Egypt, for a whole lot of reasons, the king of Egypt became so angry with Abraham, he, he just kicked him and his family and all of his possessions out of Egypt. And again, Abraham and his family left Egypt under God's care, and they continued to prosper in and around Jerusalem. But the story doesn't quite end there. Over the next several generations, Abraham's family continued to grow. His sons and his grandsons were, always, were, were also not always faithful to God, but God continued to bless them in many, many miraculous ways. And they continued to live in and around the ancient city of Jerusalem, but another famine set in, and God spoke to Abraham's grandson, a man named Israel, and God said this to Israel, Israel, I am God. I am the God of your fathers. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there in Egypt. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. So Abraham's grandsons, the children of Israel, as they were known, they moved to Egypt. In Egypt, they continued to grow and prosper. They grew so large that the king there in Egypt became afraid of them and began to enslave and oppress them. And this is the part of the story that God was recalling in Hosea. It's the story of the Exodus. You probably know this story. It's probably the best-known story from the Old Testament. The children of Israel were not always a perfect people, but God called them and guided them out of Egypt. Their trust faltered from time to time, but God continued to love them. He called them out from their slavery in Egypt. And when God led them out of Egypt, he cared for them. He blessed them. He loved them. And you might remember he even bent down and fed them. But he didn't just lead them out of Egypt, did he? He led them back into the area in and around Jerusalem. And then, after they were there for a while, 
God continued to bless them, though they weren't always faithful. They grew and prospered, and when they finally finished settling that region that God had promised to them, God made Jerusalem the center of all things. Jerusalem then was not only the capital city of that area, it was the place where God dwelt in his temple. And this is the temple that David and Solomon built. So the story of the Exodus, the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that story ends in Jerusalem. But the story of God's people continued, didn't it? Hundreds of years later, back in Hosea's day, God recalled that story of Exodus. Now, I'm not sure, as I read God's recollection, if God was recalling that to remind himself of how he loved his people so that he would care for them, or if he was recalling that story so God's people would remember how he loved them so that they would return to him. It's sort of hard to tell, but you get the idea of what's going on there. And by now, you're seeing a pattern. A story begins when God calls his people and leads them to, or at least near, Jerusalem. And though these people are not always faithful, he then moves them to Egypt, where he continues to bless them. And eventually, he calls them out of Egypt and brings them to Jerusalem. And this story repeats several times. So let me recap, and we can work our way back to Jesus. God settled and blessed Abraham while he was living in a region north of Jerusalem. God protected Abraham by leading him to Egypt. God then called Abraham out of Egypt, north of Jerusalem, where he thrived. God eventually led Abraham and his descendants back to Egypt. The children of Egypt, or the children of Israel, were there. But eventually, God called them out of Egypt and led them back to the city of peace, to Jerusalem. The story ended in Jerusalem. And God did all this even though his people were not always faithful to him. But what about the people of Hosea's day? What, what happened to them? How does their story continue? They were unfaithful too. But God, remembering his love for them, he continued to protect them. And he continued to call them to return to him. And shortly after those prophecies that I read from Hosea, uh, shortly after Hosea spoke those words of God, the country of Israel did indeed come under siege, and Israel's kings, just as it had been predicted, Israel's kings and cities were devastated. In time, even the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. But God's beloved people, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, were protected even through all of this. They were taken to a place far from home by their captors. This time, though, they weren't taken to Egypt. They were taken to Babylon. But they were protected even in that time. They were protected from all of the destruction that came on their cities and homes. And in some smaller way, they continued to thrive. And then they were allowed to return by God's grace and by God's power, they were miraculously sent back home to Jerusalem, where they could rebuild their city and replant their lives. You see, the story of Hosea's day also ends in Jerusalem, in the city of peace. And that finally then takes us back to the Christmas story. God sent Jesus as a baby 
The story started in Bethlehem, in or around Jerusalem, but God moved Jesus to Egypt, where he was protected and prospered. From there, God called Jesus out of Egypt to Nazareth, north of Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that it was there that he grew and became strong. Jesus knew, though, that his journey would ultimately take him to Jerusalem, where he would be killed on the cross. If anyone had reason to be unfaithful to God's plan and say, no, I'm not going, I'm not doing that, it was Jesus. But unlike all of the people before Jesus, Jesus was faithful to the plan. He set out resolutely for Jerusalem so that the story would end the way it was supposed to end. You see, he knew that he would also rise from the dead in Jerusalem. So the Christmas story which God had been promising and portraying for literally thousands of years. It started in Bethlehem, but God made sure that it ended in Jerusalem. And for those of us who have come to know Jesus as our King and our Savior, our story is not going to be all that different from the ones that we looked at today. Spiritually speaking, we started our story very far from Jerusalem. We were slaves to our own sins. That's what the passage from Galatians said. We were slaves to our sins. But in Jesus Christ, God has called us out of that slavery and brought us to a new place in life, to our Jerusalem. Galatians 4 puts it this way. God sent his son, born of a woman, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So you are no longer a slave, but now God's child. We are now just like those children of Israel. That's our story. We are God's children, and we are recipients of the entire Christmas story. So my question for you today is, what will your life look like now that God has made you his child, now that he has called you out of your Egypt into his Jerusalem? I'm pretty sure there are as many answers to that question as there are people here this morning, but I'm also pretty sure, in fact, I really hope that in your story, you will have the chance to speak God's word just as Hosea did. But let me encourage you when you have that opportunity, make sure to speak the words of God's kindness, of God's love for his children. Yes, God desires that all people would turn from their idolatry, and sometimes you're going to look around the world and think, there's a lot of idolatry. But remember, God also loves all of the people, even in all of their idolatry. Remember, the Christmas story does not end in Bethlehem with all of the suffering that must have come upon it. The Christmas story does not end in Babylon. The Christmas story does not end in Egypt. It ends in Jerusalem. As you talk of God's kindness and love, make sure you talk about the end of the story. Jerusalem is the desired destination. And finally then, no matter what happens in your life, remember this. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have become God's children. The baptism that we had this morning reminds us how God adopted us all in baptism to be his child. Our story ends as it always ends for God's children. Our story ends in Jerusalem, the place of peace with God. And may that peace be with you always. Amen.